Hello, Internet. Sykes here. Just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all for being here with me today. As you've probably seen, I am uploading the 200th official episode of Start the Beat with Sykes. 200 episodes. That is a whole lot. I've had so many cool people on the show over the past five years. Yes, it's been about five years. The official anniversary is going to be in April, so that's just around the corner. But pretty much it's been five years, and it's been a really, really fun ride so far, and I'm really looking forward to five more. Uh, Today, for the 200th episode, I'm going to be presenting you a conversation that I recorded live at podcast night at the Tolma just a few weeks ago, where I basically told the story of me to a room full of strangers. And by that, I mean, it was the story of how I came up as an artist and a creative type. Uh, I don't know. You'll just have to stick around and see what I'm talking about. I'm joined on this episode by my friend Toddy of the Thrifty Podcast, who was kind enough to host that event and sit in with me on this conversation. Uh, It's a whole lot of me talking about myself, and I hope that that's not too self-indulgent for all of you to enjoy. I did my best to try to craft together a story and uh, you know tell my tale in the best way that I could remember it. I'm not uh, I'm not a storyteller. I'm a podcaster, but hopefully you know hopefully it turned out all right. I think it did. Otherwise, I wouldn't be uploading it. So yeah, without further ado, I'm gonna present you now with my episode. 200 of Start the Beat with Sykes. Huh, sounds crazy to say. But, uh, hey, sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! Oh, I'm gonna be real casual. I need to be, because... This is a pretty uncomfortable topic. Actually, that's not true at all. Okay. How are we doing? Good. I'm going to let you introduce me and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'm going to hide. Okay. <laughs> you want me to go? Are we recording? Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm not even here. He's not here, so I have to find it. I have to find it myself. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, thank you for coming to Podcast Night at the Tolma. <laughs> PNAT1. Great turnout. There will be more. Also, Secret Revealed, we're going to start doing comedy nights here, too. So that's going to be a thing. I mean, these are all comedy shows, but, like, we're going to do, like, sit-down shit and stuff like that. What's that? Oh, no, you're fine. Um, So our main event for this evening, um, you may know him from Greywalker. You may know him from Sykes and the New Violence. A Pittsburgh celebrity of his own different breed. Um, uh, between uh, figuring some shit out, um, he's got some cool taglines as well, but music, art, underground, all about Pittsburgh. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Start the Beat with Sykes. <laughs> he was here. He was here the whole time. He was here. He was here. He was here Hello the whole time. and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode or any episode ever. If you're Hell one of yeah. those people, 
Thanks for listening. And uh, if not, I don't know, welcome. Make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, beer and, and soda, soda in the fridge. Thank you. I listen to your show. And there is beer and soda in the fridge, folks. Uh, fun fact, this is uh, by no coincidence the episode that we are recording right now is actually my 200th episode of Start the Beat with Sykes. 200, baby. And uh, it's a little fun thing. We are live right now on Facebook. There's only 196 episodes available. So this is going to be kind of, if you're watching it live, you're getting it in advance. Mm-hmm. So sneak peek. Sneak this for, peek. For the, for the real ones out there. But for anybody else out there, this will not be available uh, to the, the normal community for some time. So typically what I do, for those of you that don't know my show, is I sit down with artists. I talk about their stories, you know, where they came from, their struggles, blah, 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 blah. You know, why we decide to do these things that take up all of our time, our energy, our money. It's like, you know, being an artist is like, you know, having an emotional vampire in your life that you have no control over. Why do we do it? That's what I talk about. Um, So tonight, what I decided to do is actually talk about my story, which has been shared in bits and pieces here and there over the course of the past five years of hosting this podcast. And uh, I'm going to put it all together and Toddy's going to sit here with me. He's going to help I me. I love this because I've only met you like a month ago, but I've known you forever. Yeah. So now you're going to get the whole story about I'm, what, it, what the fuck happened. This is the How new did this years, happen? Too. This is brand new to me. Yeah. Brand new to me. Yeah, Local uh, legend. And uh, yeah, if you know any of this stuff, I'm sorry. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. All right. So the year's 1993. It's very young Brian in a hair salon. Mm-hmm. With his everywhere. mom. Pogs With his everywhere. mom. Brian's mom is getting her hair done. Getting them nails did. My mom was 17 years old when she had me. So, you know, she would... She would Struggled a lot having a little young shit bag to drag around. So I was at the hair salon, checking out some magazines, and there is a Time magazine, an issue of the magazine, Time. Have you ever heard of it, Toddy? Oh, absolutely. Time magazine. So, Critically acclaimed. Yeah. This issue on the front, it was Attack of the Video Games. Yo, is that when video games were coming to life, or at least white parents thought that? It was 1993. Yeah, so they did. So, you know, you had Sonic the Hedgehog on the front and all this other stuff. So, of course, I picked it up because I'm just waiting for my mom to get, you know, what the fuck am I going to do? There's no Snapchat. You know, Mm -hmm. I was fucking bored. I'm going to read you a quote from this Time Magazine Attack of the Video Games article. Okay? Sick. Johnny Cage kills his victims with a bloody decapitating uppercut. Raiden favors electrocution. Kano will punch through your opponent's chest and rip out a still-beating heart. Shit. Sub-Zero likes to tear his foe's head off and hold it up in victory. Smoke him Spin- if you have him, folks. Smoke him if you have him. Spinal cord twitching as it dangles from the neck. Hot. Renegades from the late, late movie? No. These are characters from Mortal Kombat. America's top grossing arcade game last year and the focus of a growing debate about whether violence in video games has finally gone too far. Mm. And this is tonight's story. Sick, dude. I love How it. censorship curates curiosity, a.k.a. 
How Mortal Kombat Changed My Life. Yeah, let's go. So, obviously, there's a picture in this magazine of Kano holding somebody's fucking heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little kid, and I'm already into heavy metal from my dad, who I mentioned before with Greg on the podcast, had Cannibal Corpse tapes laying around the house. I was used to seeing gory shit, watching fucked up movies. My uncle showed me The Exorcist when I was eight years old on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh so this was right up my alley, obviously. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, I got a copy of it and I was playing it on my Game Boy. The first copy I had of it was on Game Boy, not the best representation of it. But there was a swimming pool by my house and they had an arcade in there and they had the Mortal Kombat co- cabinet at mm. the swimming pool. So I got to play it there every so often. May so I pretty... ask a question? Yeah, totally. Who was who was the character? Do you remember the characters that you preferred at the time? Well, the, I preferred Scorpion because he was easy to play and I just liked doing things that were easy because I was like, you know, a mm. fucking child. Were you against Sub-Zero or on Sub-Zero? Like, because if you like, a lot of folks, if they like Scorpion, they were done with Sub-Zero. Well, if they like Sub-Zero, you couldn't say dick about Scorpion to them. I'll tell you this. I always, the thing that I was always really pissed about was going back to the quote from Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. Sub-Zero likes to tear his foe's head off and hold it up in victory, spinal cord twitching as it dangles from the neck. Mm-hmm. You could only do that in the arcade. You couldn't do it on the Game Boy. You couldn't do it on Super Nintendo. I had only seen a picture of it, and this was pre-YouTube. Sure. So there was a very long time where I just wanted to see Sub-Zero rip that do fucking it. head off. Do it. Yeah. Like, as a little kid. Like, do I, it. I, like, we're actually, we're, um, I'm actually going to hold it because we're getting to the next part cool. of this mm-hmm. chapter. So, um, you know, school... I was never super good at socializing as a little kid. I was an only child. As I mentioned, my parents were super young. My mom worked all the time. And I never really, I don't know. I, there wasn't a whole lot of a, it was just kind of like a, sure. I wasn't neglected, but I was just kind of like there. And just kind of figure to, shit out. to your own devices. Yeah, so in school, I had a bit of an issue. But one day, I noticed this kid, Maurice, who was drawing a picture. And it looked like Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. was drawing a shitty little cartoon of a Mortal Kombat character. So I was like, is it Scorpion? Did, did like, young, did young, like, did young Sykes swear back then? Like, is that fucking Scorpion? No, did you swear yet? I didn't swear yet. Okay, so you were still cool. I was still yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't I, a piece of shit like I am now. But I saw it like he was drawing Scorpion. I was like, oh shit! And he was like, yeah. Time so to we dap started. That dude up. We started fucking like hanging out, and I was like asking him about like how do you draw that, and he started showing me how to draw like the characters, and this was actually how I started drawing and getting into art was hanging out with Maurice drawing Mortal Kombat characters and like he was in the like kung fu movies and all kinds of video games and mm-hmm. comic books and stuff like that and um it was the first time I was actually able to like create something like from my mind prior to that I mentioned that I was in the music mm-hmm. um I had like this well my dad had this Iron Maiden VHS tape it was live after death I have it and that was like I would like watch it and it made I wanted to be Steve Harris so fucking bad yeah, and his sick pinstripe leggings and shit playing bass I would like listen to it I had like a tennis racket that I pretend to play guitar with you know mm-hmm. very stereotypical shit but that wasn't really the same as like actually being able to create something sure. so drawing was like 
it for me. Um, you know, it got to a point where like my teachers saw like an increased interest in the art and they were trying to convince my mom to like get me into Kappa. I was in Pittsburgh public at the time, but like my mom like did not give a fuck. She just mm-hmm. didn't like, she didn't care. She didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to come to school. She didn't want to do paperwork In retrospect. I totally get it because like mm-hmm. she was fucking 21 when I was four. So like, and it's also taking sort of like a chant. Like, is this, is this maybe three months of your life that I'm, as a parent going to dedicate more than that. You yeah. Know? So I just, like, yeah. I just think that like, yeah, I, I mean, she's, I mean, she was never the most supportive of anything I did creatively. We'll kind of get to that, not to be a bummer, yeah. but like later that school year, this was, this would be second grade, by the way. Uh, my parents got a divorce and ended up moving schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up like losing contact with Maurice. How old were you? The second grade, something like six, seven. I don't six, know how seven. old you are in there. Like whatever yeah, that is. I can't is. remember. I can. I know. I know the grades. A lot of this happened in, but like age, mm-hmm. ain't nothing sure. but a number. Yeah. No, that's why I um, asked because I I can't remember how old I was in second grade either. That's yeah. Why yeah. But you know, my parents got a divorce, and we moved schools. I lost contact with Maurice. Um, and a big reason why I lost contact with Maurice, um. You know, we got along really well, but we never hung out outside of school. And the reason why she didn't want me to hang out with Maurice outside of school is because Maurice was black. Yikes. And we grew up in a black neighborhood and there was a lot of like weird stuff in my family about it. I don't know if it was like racism or just so much just like uncomfortability in the neighborhood, but it was always this underlining thing in my in my house. Mm -hmm. But like. For me, it was weird because this was the first time that I had been, you know, always been told like, oh, like, you know, you don't want to be around those people. It's dangerous. But like I was I was in school with a bunch of black kids. We all liked fucking comic books and video games and shit like that. And the even funnier thing, there was one uh, only other person I ever went to school with that had the same last name of me. As me was this kid named Eugene Howe, and he was also a black kid, so everybody thought that we were related, and, like, my mom fucking hated it. Mm -hmm. But, like, it was, like, to me, it was the first time in my life that I just, like, realized that absurdity of, like, because it it made sense, like, it was, like, everybody was fucking cool. Like, I got picked on by some black kids. I got picked on by some white, is this, you're a kid, you get picked on, but at the same time, it's, like, you know, you're you're getting picked on. identify, like, oh, that kid picked on you because he was black and it's just yeah like, no it's never. like why yeah we're getting, I'm getting i get what you mean though, i'll yeah. get picked on in the more like on the bus but then we're talking about like video games at lunch mm-hmm. and then you know whatever so it was a mixture and you know really this just ends up being another example of censorship being creating curating curiosity putting in up terms a, of like yeah, putting, putting up, up those those wall. social walls yeah and me being like i don't know this doesn't make sense so, you know, I moved into a new school district when we moved and it was in the middle of a school year. My mom got custody and it was a total nightmare because like my dad and we really connected well. He was a dude that was into all the music and all this shit. And um, I don't know. I just didn't really have a whole lot to do outside of that. Like I lost my buddy. I couldn't hang out with my dad. My mom was around all the time. Did so you I was, still draw? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was still drawing. And I was just kind of like hanging out and I had a lot of time to just like get lost in my imagination, you know? Mm-hmm. I kept drawing and because I didn't have like all the resources that I used to have, it kind of like actually like blossomed 
the creativity. I started like drawing you got a uh, taste, sort of. I started like drawing comic books and like making up characters that were all just really bad ripoffs of Mortal Kombat. But yeah. like I would like I like made a comic and I like would draw what I thought the levels would look like if I had a video game. I drew what I thought my website would look like if I had a website. Like it, it got nuts over the years with like all of these just No, like, I get it. Yeah. Like cause like I don't it just I don't know. I, it was all I fucking had. Well, do you um, think, like, because you said you lost contact with Maurice during this time, do you think, in a way, uh, the the creativity that you two had, the, the kind of compatibility, I guess I, I should say, do you feel like you still had him within you because you were creating the art that you two... Um, I would think of him. I you mean, there I mean? Th- like, I, it kind of started that. So, like, in a way, you felt like maybe he was doing this some pl- someplace else, you know? Yeah, I don't know if I thought about it all like that because I was like seven. Oh no, I'm insane. Or eight, so you're you right, know what I mean? <laughs> but like, I would definitely like think about things that I would draw, and I'd be like, shit. Like, I wonder. I wish I could like show this to Maurice because, like, you know, maybe he sure. would think it was fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like, I'm in a new school, and we're in a new we're in a new school district, and we lived around. Uh, more, more kids that looked like me mm-hmm. to put it nice. And my mom was like trying to encourage me to like, she was for now, she's actually trying to get me to hang out with kids, but they were like all like kind of like jock types. It was like super suburb shit. And like, I didn't get along with them. Like I, some like looking back on it, I established at a pretty young age, like what I was into and what I liked. Like, I still like Iron Maiden. I still like Mortal Kombat. Nothing's really changed. Mm-hmm. So like, but let, let's get on. We'll continue. So eventually I made a friend at the new school, right? And it was this girl. Her name was Nicole. And we made friends because she saw me playing Mortal Kombat on my Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And she was like, are you playing Mortal Kombat? Like, I like Mortal Kombat. And like, Game I was... color? No, it was just Game Boy, Game Boy. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so this is again like Mortal Kombat connecting in my life coincidentally and you know to my surprise it was the first time that like i never really like talked to uh like a a girl and it wasn't like a crush thing but Mm -hmm. it was just like i didn't think girls liked video games Mm -hmm. like i was just a kid and but you know again it taught me that valuable lesson of like you know don't judge a book by its cover or anything like that um but so like me and her were hanging out and like it was super cool we would just talk about video games and I would show her drawings and stuff like that. Um, and naturally like other kids in the class started making fun of us, you know what I mean? Sure. Like Brian and Nicole sitting in a tree. Like literally I remember every time I hear that song, I think about it being sung to me because like we got, we got made fun of for talking like that. And she was also like, those type of kids always had cool shoes. And that's what I always call them, like the cool shoe. Sure, sure. They They were totally like no, seriously. They had like Nikes. They had like the coolest shoes ever. And I, I myself came from like a poor background, so I knew what people with like really expensive shoes were gonna pick on me. Like, (laughs) Like, it's just how it was. Yeah, no, it was definitely like that in that school. Jockey types. Oh yeah, it was like schools having like uh like you know football sports team starter jackets and shit like that. Um, but you know. She got made fun of a lot for her appearance and like I got made fun of for talking to her and it was like the second time in my life that I can remember like people telling me like who I shouldn't talk to Mm -hmm. because like I had my mom being like, oh, you know, 
don't hang out with don't hang out with black kids you know what i mean because they're dangerous and then i got kids in school like oh don't hang out with nicole because like you know, she's whatever. So just hang out. Just with like be, people being mean, but so be being like, these are like the people that like I fucking gel with. Like, I don't get this. So and just white, white boys only. Yeah. 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 Um, but like, you know, becoming friends with Nicole, it, it, you know, taught me that lesson to never judge a book by its cover and like, ups, like realizing like how silly like bullying is and peer pressure. And like, it got to this thing where like, I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. And like basically, that's like all of the uh, the sugar spice and everything nice of making a young punk. Yeah. So uh-huh. here we are. You know what I mean? Like it's it's evolving. You know, um, th- through a series of circumstances, we moved again. I moved a lot. I moved uh, probably at least ten or eleven times in my life. Okay. Um, all. When you were uh, younger? Probably, like, no. With my mom, we lived in five different places. Okay. Post-divorce. Uh-huh. Um, so I moved around a shit ton. Always in Pittsburgh, but, like, we would still have to bounce. I'd still have to bounce schools. And when you're younger, shit's nuts. Mm-hmm. But so now, um, you know, so I lost contact with Nicole. Lost contact with Maurice. And it's like, okay, let's start this fucking over again. But at the same time, I'm still listening to music. I'm still drawing. I'm still playing the video things games. things that you have learned via these people or th- with these people yeah you're still kind of carrying but you're carrying them to another place so. yeah and i learned how like you know i learned how to access like things like mtv and like things are like so pop culture is really starting to settle in yeah um i had a skateboard mm-hmm. and like a chain wallet yeah, and dude. a corn cd and it was like, you know, shit's fucking, it's going off. You know what I mean? I, I, Got the life. Uh, uh, what was the video? Was Freak on the Leash the one where the bullet just traveled I, I through everything? At the, ex- at, at the expense of sounding like a total C-U-N-T, mm-hmm. I've been listening to Corn <laughs> since... You hung in there. No, I've been listening to Corn since their debut album. So... Huh? Oh, backwards end. Um, (laughs) I've been listening to Corn since their debut album. This is a side story. It has nothing to do with anything, but I would hang out with my dad on the weekends. And upstairs from my dad, I had a friend named Philip. Me and Philip would play Magic the Gathering. It was tight. But Philip had an older brother who was a skateboarder and listened to Corn. And I wanted to be that dude real bad. He was a dude that showed me Corn. I was already riding a skateboard at that time, but he was like, dude, you got to hear this. And he played yeah. me Corn. It was the first <laughs> album. No shit. I swear. Um, but I remember Life is Peachy coming out. Mm-hmm. And I remember Follow the Leader coming out. Yeah. And I remember being mad. Follow the Leader came out when I was in seventh grade. And I remember being pissed actually no eighth grade correct me eighth grade came out in eighth grade and i was mad about it because i was getting made fun of for having like shirts on that nobody fucking knew what it was and then all of a sudden corns on trl and people were like oh like i know what that shit you're wearing is now live baby yeah it's like oh i know what this is now so it's like okay for me to like corn it's like oh fuck you they were always at four or five like because when total (laughs) request live first started it was the top five and it was just Carson Daly, like in some back office, like lit from below. And it was like, it was just top five. But then when he got to Times Square, that's when 
all the like Backstreet Boys were there in sync, and that's when they went to ten. But when they went to ten, there was also less video content because they needed to pack in the interview stuff like that. But yeah, Corn was hanging around then too. But they were like four or five, and I'm like, you gotta push them up. Hey, you know, I'll tell you what. You can only pull a freak on a leash so far. Yeah, until somebody's got the life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Less corn, more me. <laughs> uh, the episode title. So my my mom is doing her shit. She's kind of on a whole other planet at this point, and I ended up spending a ton of time with my grandma. Um, and my grandma also lived with my uncle David who was uh, very much an adult who never left the house. Um, I don't want to say anything bad about him, but he was not the most positive person in my life. But one thing of positivity that he did bring into my life, which maybe in retrospect is not a positive thing, depending on how you look at it, would be the traits of being a collector. My uncle was a huge collector of shit. Movies, records, magazines, media. comics, media. He loved all that shit. So I would kind of get put in his watch a lot because my grandma's a bit older, couldn't always watch me. So he would take me out when he went like record shopping and shit with him. And this was actually pretty tight because sometimes he would let me pick out things or I would just get to root around in bins. And this was one like, we had, I mean, we have a good bit of record stores in Pittsburgh now, but we used to have a lot more. And uh, one day... We were at this place that was in Oakland. It's no longer there. It is now a Cadoba, I think. But on it the, used to be a. It used on to the be corner. Yeah, it was a Cadoba on Forbes. Um, there used to be a record store in that building. I actually think that they tore down the building and then put up all the stuff that's there now. Yeah. But there was a CD I know what store you there. Mean, yeah. Um. And I was going through stuff, and they had like this pile of shit that's like stuff that i guess gets sent to them because they're a store like promotional stuff posters promotional cds and all this stuff and there was a cassette tape there and i picked it up and i'm looking at it and it's like the immortals mm. mortal combat is the name of the tape mm. and it, it's like this like promotional copy looks like it was printed out on printer paper like real cheap and it, the all the song titles have Johnny Cage, and then a song title, mm-hmm. Kano song title. I'm like, what is this? Like, some of the names were spelled wrong. Like, Raiden's name was spelled wrong, and all these. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, there's no pictures or anything on it. It was just like a promo thing of something that existed in that universe. Yeah. So I took it because it was free, and turns out it was a promotional copy for Mortal Kombat the album. Does anybody know about this thing? I do. So, yeah, yeah, more, yeah, so if you don't know, this was not the soundtrack to the movie or the soundtrack to the video game. This was something where, you know, like the Mortal Kombat theme song, like the test your might, dun, 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 This came from that. But in addition to that, there was tracks for each character of the video game that were just made as like some fun thing. Mm-hmm by actually two members of the band Lords of Acid. Oh shit, dude. And they were they made this under the banner the Immortals and they got some like studio singers to come in and sing and it's ridiculous. If you ever get a chance to hear it, it's really funny. Like each song, like the Johnny Cage song, it's 
jo- sing like Johnny Cage singing from his perspective about being a fighter. Uh, there's Hell. a Sonia one where there's a Sonia one where Sonia raps from her perspective. I'm in uh, on that. Uh, I I know of this, but I never heard it. Oh, it is fucking tight. But anyways, it was my gateway into the world of electronic music. Okay. Um, I knew it was a thing, but I never really had a reason to relate with it before this. Um, but <laughs> Venn diagram. I, I didn't know how to feel about it. Again, like I'm listening to Iron Maiden in you know, fucking corn and green day and like, you know, smashing pumpkins, rage against the machine, like all that, like all that shit. I mean, the closest thing to this that I was probably even aware of at the time would have been like the prodigy mm. or like chemical brothers. Cause it was mm. mid nineties. And that's when you had a lot of that electronic prodigy stuff. had a lot of incredible live performances that would, they put on MTV. I remember recording prodigy on a VHS tape yeah. and just like when my mom wasn't home, like, up it goes. There was smoke. There was like, so I'm um, getting fucking hyped. Go on. It was tight. Um, in you know, in the in the time frame of all of these things, the only person I really ever had in my life was only person I had in my life that would like encourage my creativity was my grandma, and um, I was doing all kinds of weird shit. Like I would be drawing stuff and I would show it to her, and. I had like a toy little keyboard that was just laying around that I never quite understood. I had like this like really shitty like toddler drum set that had like paper drum heads mm-hmm. that was like a piece of shit. But I started hearing like or recognizing that the noises on the the Mortal Kombat tape mm-hmm. were like the noises that this little shitty keyboard would make. Mm-hmm. So I started trying to like make songs. Okay. And with that and like the shitty little drum set and you I would could see it's a little bit different, but they're making like the same frequencies. And yeah. Like, yeah. I and I would like doing it. Yeah. My grandma had this like tape player and it had like tape to tape recording. Mm-hmm. So I would, um, just like basically record like me playing and like, I would write these stupid little songs. I actually have some of them still. I still have some of these tapes. My favorite, it's actually a hidden track on the first Sykes album. So you can go online and listen to it right now. It's called Psycho Man. It's, it was tracks. written from when I was a kid. It's the hidden track on the first Sykes album. Psycho Man, who lives in a garbage can. It's probably like, Oscar beat me in the head with, beat me in the head with a frying pan. It's pretty good. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Love it. But at that point, dangerous, I got to a, I got to a point where like I figured out that um, I could if so you could play a tape back like say you were playing a tape on the recorder you could play a tape on the recorder record it to deck B and have the microphone turned on and it would what was on deck A would play through the speakers and you could also still microphone into uh deck b so essentially what i was able to do was i would play the keyboard and like sing the thing and play it back and then hit the drums on top of it so So i was like learning how to like record music even though i was doing it backwards i was doing the drum second but like the process yeah so it was like getting me into like learning how to like kind of make music Mm-hmm. Not really, but like recording in like this what you really like what you were doing yeah. in this really rudimentary way. Um, and then, okay, so 
moving forward, we're getting into my teenage years and like things are starting to change now. Um, I kind of got a little bit too old for doing that. That was just kind of like this phase in my life where I recorded these songs. But by the time I was like a teenager, yeah, like, you know, like 12, 13, you know, that wasn't working. Like I was like really focused on being cool now. Um, you know, it's a, 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 a new era of independence and like, you I know, can't imagine an era out. of you that you weren't cool. Like all these eras seem very. Actually, cool. I think the era that I'm about to get into is probably my least cool. Sick. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it was like this thing where, like, you know, you turn 13, 14, and all of us, you you get this like time frame where, like, you think that the stuff that you grew up with, you're not supposed to like anymore. Like, there's so much shit that I had when I was a kid that I got rid of. Like, there was like some toys, some T-shirts, and like other weird memorabilia that like got thrown out. Also, a lot of things got lost just from moving so much. Uh, and it, you're a, a, as it, you're adulting. Yeah, like I'm. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, okay. So we're getting into seventh grade, moving, move school some more. Had a really hard time keeping like friends, but like the internet was starting to become more of a thing. So like there was like instant messenger, and also I was like old enough to use a phone. So like we would like call each other on the phone and mm-hmm. keep in touch that way. Mm-hmm. So I was actually able to keep in touch with some old friends from school. So I'm in a new school now, and I remember hearing one time I was talking with my a friend of mine that was still in Pittsburgh Public, and he was talking about how all of the kids in his school were getting really into graffiti. And I was like, that's weird. Like, I never really thought about it. I used to um, – my grandma who and my uncle who I spent all that time with they lived in Wilkinsburg, right by uh, the, the Martin Luther King Jr. East Busway stop. And whenever I would go out with my uncle, we took the bus everywhere. So we would take the bus to go to like Shady Side, or you know, walk down the Bloomfield to go to where where Jukes is now. That I mean, that's been a record store forever. It wasn't Juke, but um, or going downtown to Ides, or going into Oakland. Like we take the EBO into Oakland and going to stores I was mentioned before. But so I was always on the East Busway, and if you've ever been on the East Busway, it's fucking covered with graffiti, and a lot of the graffiti that's Even on now, there. Like, yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff that's on there is shit that's been on there since I was a fucking kid, because it's like some holy grail shit that you don't fuck with. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remembered seeing the graffiti and always being like, oh, that's cool, but I never quite understood it. And whenever I like learned that there was people my age, you mean as like a medium? Yeah. Specific. I just, I knew it was there. I was like art, but I I never blew my mind like who was doing it. Right. And like learning that there were like kids my age, like people that I, that that people were doing this. I was like, expression. Fuck. I w- how do I get involved in this? Because I'm still drawing, but I'm getting tired of like I'm just drawing comic like characters and notebooks and things like that. And also, I'm like kind of young and you know, raging against the machine and like all this energy in me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, what'd fuck you say? the system. What you say? What you say? What? Yeah, yeah, fuck the system. <laughs> fuck that mailbox. <laughs> fuck that stop sign. Fuck that. You know, I'm gonna get my name out there. It's like your ego's at an all time high when you're fucking 14. It's like prime time for being a graffiti writer fuck george bush senior era sure sure however you want to put it <laughs> um you know like i was just uh, the the best way i could put it is that like i wanted to be a rock star 
but I couldn't do it through music. I just, cause like we, like I didn't have, again, my mom was like, I'm not going to fucking buy you shit. We live in this apartment. It's not going to happen. I mean, like I had video games and stuff like that, but like a guitar or drums, it was never going to fucking happen. So like art was the thing, but like I wanted to do something bigger and like, you know, really be known for what I was doing. So sure. graffiti's like, eh, here you go. Okay. So here I am, you know, 14 years old. This is like 1999. Um, and it really ended up being like, everything that I needed at the time. Looking back on it, a lot of stupid shit that I regret, you know, like stealing's pretty dumb, destroying property's pretty dumb, getting suspended from school from writing in bathroom stalls is pretty dumb. Um, you know, running from cops, I guess, is tight depending on your perspective, but overall it's like kind of dumb, all that nonsense, you know, just a lot of shit you know, that I didn't, a lot of trouble I, that I didn't need to be getting into when I was a kid. My mom didn't fucking need that shit. Like, mm -hmm. looking back on it, I was like, you know, fuck you, fuck yeah, you. But yeah, back, yeah. I'm like, God, what a fucking dick I was. But, hey, the positive of it was that, you know. Well, it's also like, uh, it was sort of like the the environment of being a, a, a bit sheltered. Like, no, I know of this, of these art forms. I know of these mediums. I know there's other stuff out there. So it was almost like maybe if it was embraced a little more, you wouldn't have to do it in the shadow of the night, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was, the, that was the thing, you know? I just didn't, that's a really good way of putting it. I just didn't know. Like, I'm like learning and figuring out to do things. And I don't know if you've picked this up through any context clues, but I wasn't necessarily guided. Yeah, in right. any way, you know what I mean? Like, my grandma was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, you know, being fully transparent, she was kind of an alcoholic because everybody else in my family was a shithead. And so she would kind of just be like, eh, whatever. And, you know, my uncle who I went record shopping with, while it was cool for him to take me record shopping, he was a piece of shit in his own ways. And my dad was off the fucking grid. And, you know, I kind of ended up just surrounding myself with other people that were just kind of as like mm -hmm. mis with mysterious upbringings as me, you know what I mean? Like, maybe a bunch maybe. of shitheads had nothing else better to do with, but go right on shit at night and nobody cared where we were. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, whatever ruffians there were, you know, but I do want to get into there. There were positives that came from the graffiti. Totally. Um, my art skills continued to develop because I was kept doing stuff. I was doing bigger stuff. I was working in different mediums. Um, it got me really into color mm -hmm. prior to this. Like it was a lot of my sketches were just kind of like pencil ink. Like this was my first introduction to yeah, color. You were probably on like paper. Yeah. So, okay. So um, the different I, canvas, different. I ended up because again, all those graffiti kids were kids from my old school. Mm -hmm. I ended up bringing it into the school that I was in and like I put a crew together mm -hmm. and in a way like i kind of developed some leadership skills <laughs> like no, i was i, get it. I, get I was kind of like the one that like started it. it in our school like did not... you have a crew name we did oh sick our first crew name was tcbe or no tbce mm -hmm. the taco bell chalupa eaters okay very respectable great also great product discontinued did i mention we were 14 yeah. We had a we had a we had a lot we had a lot of anger to get on on the streets. Eventually, that it, it over. It's funny. It's like I say eventually it developed, but like so like my graffiti height went from like fourteen to seventeen. So it's only three years, but there was so fucking much that happened in that time frame. And we'll get there because that's like kind of where this the rest of the story exists in those mm -hmm. three years. Um, you know. Okay. So leadership skills. Um, 
getting we got into a lot of shit but i we also like i made a ton of friends all over the city through this so like networking socializing maybe not with the best people but would they see maybe your social skills or your work or what you, you would run into versa? people yeah right like you just run into somebody under a fucking bridge i mean they might walk up to you with a pipe in their hand at first sure but you got but it's like pipe. yo like yeah cool you know not cop not a cop you know that mm-hmm. kind of shit as if I looked like a fucking cop. Will we talk about well, what cops, I fucked? Mm. Can we talk to talk about what I looked like when I was that fucking age? By to. the way, like yeah. wide leg jeans, spiky hair, backpack full of cans rattling, just walking around like, oh yeah, not suspicious at so all. So you did look like a cop. Oh yeah, totally looked like a fucking cop. Uh, but you know, ultimately it gave it got me out of the bedroom, gave me a place to belong. Uh, you know, and through all of these people eventually like i was hanging around i got introduced to the world of underground hip-hop because there would be a lot of cool events like i would live paint at some events um there would be like black book competitions where like you would take your book and like you would just meet like you could like socialize with other artists it was like i don't know like total like you mean ego like shit more locally yeah it was yeah. locally it was locally i was like you know it was like 15 16 at this time but there was like I would still be around and there was like some older people that were like pretty cool with us I know and would like, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of like let Except us hang it. out and be yeah. around. Um, you know, I was like at a lot of events painting and I started getting around a lot of like local hip hop and, you know, music was still my first love, but I didn't listen to a ton of hip hop. I wasn't even aware that like, that sort of thing existed. You know what I mean? All the hip hop that I knew would be whatever was on TV at the time. You know what I mean? Like the best example of underground hip hop I was probably aware of was like Eminem. And it was always like way too aggressive for me. As somebody that like grew up listening to Cannibal Corpse, I was like, Eminem's like a little bit too much for me. The weird thing about about Eminem is like, I think parents might've been right about that one. (laughs) (laughs) They were hardly fucking right. But I was like, I had a rich friend who would burn CDs off Napster and sell them for $20. I got the Marshall Mathers EP and I got the other one with the trunk stuff on it. And I was listening to that. And like people parents age would just be like, that's garbage. I'm like, that's what you said about Marilyn Manson. He's fine. And then when I got older, I'm like, oh, no, nah, parents were right about Eminem. You were right. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. You know, and it was one of those things where like, you know, I grew up in that era where, like, you know, popular rap was all, like, gang shit and sex drugs and violence and this and that, which is tight. But, like... Very um, tight, but also not the right... Yeah, yeah. it it was, like, you know, I mean, like, when you're a kid, like, it was, like, it was so stupid. It was, like, you know, all... It was, like, that was, like, be the stuff that, like, my mom would hear and think that it was, like, that's Mm -hmm. how it was. So I couldn't... Yeah. yeah, but I mean, also, I do remember one time there was people that walked up to our car window holding a gun in their hand. And my mom sped off because we grew up in a bad neighborhood. So there was some shit that happened. Yeah. So it was like there was like little things that happened. Uh, there was a stabbing outside of my grandma's house one time. Yeah, um, I grew up in McKeesport. I've, and so I grew up around like a lot of yeah, like, drug you, dealers. You know and what's stuff. up. Yeah, I've seen some people get stabbed. So before. I mean, like, you know, while like as a kid, like, I don't know, we're getting sidetracked, but like. I understood, I guess, like, where a lot of that fear was coming from. But getting back to this, like, being in the graffiti community, 
I was around all kinds of people and everybody was pretty much cool when I got introduced to underground hip hop. I don't know how that could possibly relate to the rest of the story, but let's continue. It does. Um, I mean, you, I mean, that's what <laughs> a, a lot of your stuff. Yeah. You know. So in the middle of all this graffiti stuff, I'm still a kid, still video games, PS1 era. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool Borders, Tony Hawk. Final Fantasy. Twisted Metal. Fuck yeah. You know what the hell's up. Oh, Spyro the Dragon. I played that yesterday. <laughs> Admittedly, getting back, it was a dark time for the Mortal Kombat franchise. A very dark time. Don't I know it. A very dark time. But, you know, the OG games, still mm -hmm. near and dear to my heart, you yep. know, would still play them. It was tight. Um, you know, so I go over to my friend Tristan's house one day. He was not a graffiti kid. He was a friend from another school. But we kept in touch through the internet, phone, stuff like that. And he was a kid that I still played Magic the Gathering with. Going back to an earlier part of the story. Mm -hmm. That motherfucker. Yeah. So he was still In the into game. he was still into games, still into techie shit, nerdy shit. Um, never really, you know, he was kind mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. in it. In it, you know, he was like a normal fucking fifteen year old. Yeah. Um. So he show so he shows me this game one day, and this game, aside from Mortal Kombat, would be the game that definitely changed my life for PS One. MTV's Music Generator. Okay. And yeah. if anybody is familiar with this fucking thing, it's not really a game. And I've talked about this a lot. This is probably the thing I've talked about the most on the podcast is this game. I've heard you talk about it before. Um, it's yeah. interesting as hell, though. It's basically an app for your PS1 that works like any other beat-making program. Like, you know, uh, you know, to shout out some oldie ones, old ones like Fruity Loops or Acid Pro or like Native Instruments Machina or maybe even like a, a very stripped down version of Ableton. Ableton yep. Like, you know, it was a program that would open up. You had banks of sounds. There was pre-made loops that you could pick, or you could like pick from all of the preloaded samples. You and can if arrange you had a great computer. You could download loops. It would take a long time. You could, but you still could. I don't know if you could do that. And the later ones. Yeah. Okay. And the later I ones, you, could. you were cooler than I was. Okay. <laughs> like so, I, yeah. I got on too late. Well, MTV, yeah. Music generator one, you know what I mean? You could like actually like sequence, drums things and like there was a piano roll and you could do stuff so it was like dude he showed it to me and like i was like the rest like i don't think i remember the next like year of my life mm -hmm. like all i remember I, I remember like going home and like trading in every fucking thing that i could to funko land so i could get a copy of mtv music generator because mm -hmm. it was like f like i had a fucking way to make music it wasn't rock music but it was fucking music Mm -hmm. And MTV Music Generator One, um, it didn't really have the most diverse batch of sounds. It was it you can make like shitty techno on it, and still to this at this at that point in time, the only reference for shitty techno that I was really familiar with would be Mortal Kombat the album. So kind of like going back and listening to that again, like oh yeah, this was a thing, and like listening to that to try to understand how to structure mm -hmm. a piece of music in that style. Cause like, you know, it was like, it was either that or like prodigy or like Aphex twin. And I wasn't smart enough to make an Aphex twin song. So it was like, you know, Aphex it was like, I knew like come twin. to daddy. So like, I had a very rudimentary understanding of what drum and bass was. Mm -hmm. But like, anyways, you know, it was just, I was starting to make songs 
finally. And I was still doing art and shit like that and um all that kind of fun stuff. It still. was it was all Building. in there, but not too long afterwards they released MTV Music Generator 2 for the PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. endorsed by Funk Master Flex. <laughs> the man himself. And it had a very heavy lean on hip hop, R&B, jazz, disco, like more of those more of that stuff and that was the one that changed fucking everything because in the middle of all this stuff me and my friends had already started like starting to like write rhymes and stuff as a joke Mm -hmm. so we're like writing goofy songs uh we had a band the orgy boys uh one of our one of our i mean you know with 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 uh classic tracks such as empty your wallets and big fat titties I, I have mean, who re- doesn't love big fat titties? I have <laughs> recorded versions, video evidence of all of these things. I didn't bring any of it. Yeah. You gotta be if you if you want to see it, you gotta become real friends with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just come over and I'll gladly show you. I, I had have- my own orgy boys. It was different. Um <laughs> so <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, like empty your wallets, give me your money. Come on, motherfucker. This shit, it ain't funny. Empty your wallets. Give me your cash. Do it right now or I'm going to drop you on your ass. Fuck, That's dude. the hook from Empty Your Wallets. Fuck, Would you like to hear the dude. hook from Big Fat Fuck, Titties? Yes. yes. I just still, imagine it's like big fat titties in my face all the time. You're, you're okay. Big fat titties on my mind, on my mind. You're close. You're close. Slow down the tempo a bit. Big fat titties on my lap. Big fat titties, what I smack. Big fat titties, dick attack. Big fat titties, we coming back. Brian. I was just thinking about thinking about him. I wasn't. Yeah. 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 I had. I had. More, more. You strike me as somebody more than more than I should have probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least, at least, at least two and a half titties. Were they <laughs> on least. your lap? Were they at least like... at least two and a half titties and maybe three areolas, depending. I don't know. Okay, so mostly just the skin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But I mean, the rest is pretty much history from there. For anybody that doesn't really know, like my main thing that I do is I am a producer mc artist i still do all of that stuff i mean it all started there obviously i ended up getting a job at taco bell shout out to the taco bell chalupa eaters Mm -hmm. saved up my first three paychecks to buy my korg electribe es1 sampler which was my first piece of hardware that i still own Uh, Mm -hmm. i don't really use it it actually barely fucking works but i still have it still have it um and you know the so like that whole thing all those formative years just really kind of hinge on one thing, you know, like I'm an artist and a musician. I got into a musician through the discovery of hip hop. Mm-hmm. I got into hip hop through the discovery of graffiti. I got into graffiti, you know, through the discovery mm-hmm. of art. And I got into art because I wanted to draw a fucking scorpion. Yeah, baby. And that's how Mortal Kombat changed my life. Yeah, dude. Now, there's like 
I just want to say, like, there's a ton of nuance in there, too. Like, things like, um, you know, becoming friends with Maurice and, you know, learning about, like, all the weird social shit with, like, that whole thing and my mom being like, oh, don't talk to black kids. And then, like, you know, uh, getting made fun of for hanging out with Nicole. And it's like, all this, st- and, like, other just, like, weird little things in my life or, like, finding out about electronic music because of that stupid Mortal Kombat cassette tape. Like, it could be a coincidence, but like, I don't know. It's just there. And it's like an unusually important part of my story. Yeah. It's still continuing to grow. And it's uh, I, I it's interesting to like look look back at my life and like how much of it hinged on like me doing things that people told me not to do. Yeah. Like Time magazine being like, you know, is violence in video games bad for kids? I don't know. Maybe ask me. Do yeah. I seem okay? I think I turned out all right. No, yeah, no. you're great, dude. I'm always um, when I see a lot of uh, your because uh, I I'm trying to be a graphic designer, right? And when I see a lot of your graphics and stuff like that, dude, it amazes me. Well, thank like, you, it man. Never like seriously, it never like when I see your equipment, when I see all this stuff, I'm just like, how am I? How could I be this dude one day? And just no, do serious. it. Yeah, and, like honestly, just like. The whole reason I, like, can do anything that I do is because I didn't know anybody. Sure. Like, after after high school, um, mm-hmm. like, everybody kind of did that traditional split-off thing. Yeah. And by the time I was 18, I kind of got out of graffiti. Like, I had gotten into enough fucking trouble, and I was, like, the music thing kind of pulled me away from it. Mm-hmm. And all the art that I was doing was all for, like, oh, I got to design an album cover. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? The fuck is Photoshop? Yeah. Okay. Oh fuck. Like I need a com- I need a computer that can. Okay. What the fuck? How do I do that? Okay. Like just like okay, and then mm-hmm. you get it, and then it's like oh shit, I, I want a, a a video. Like how do I make a music video? I don't know. You get a camcorder. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a camcorder and a friend that can hold it. That's I, a music video, right? Cool. I, I actually <laughs> and I have to find it. It's something that Josh and I through Thrifty Podcast we have got. I'd say within the last two, three weeks, but we had found a um, Midway Presents uh, Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. Deadly Alliance. Alliance. Sorry. Um, it's a um, like a cell shade from the game. Sick. So it's actually from the game. And I think there's, there's like a 10% possibility it's under this tablecloth in front of us, but I will for certain give it to you. Oh, wow. It's like 14,497 out of 2,000. If that's the... I mean, if that's no, the, that's not numbers. 20,000. If that's you. the actual number word. I think 14,497 <laughs> out of 20,000. Uh, I, I, I do... I do. Uh, if I find it, it's going to be that number. I do want... I did mention there was a dark period for Mortal Kombat. Deadly Alliance is definitely where it came back around. No, that's when. Well, that's when they introduced that game they, is fucking tight. Yeah, they introduced uh, like three D platforming. Yeah, so you could go up, down, through it, and then you could move around. They also, um, it's the only game of the Mortal Kombat series that you can't be Liu Kang in. Explain that. It's still cool, but I believe there are fifteen old characters and thirteen new characters, or eleven new characters. Like not twelve for sure, though. So it's one of those numbers there. Dude, you are an encyclopedia of bullshit, and it is fantastic. Oh, well, I did see this a couple weeks ago, but, like, ask me, like... How did you just randomly, like... At the Goodwill outlet, we find everything. <laughs> I just introduced a man's teeth. That's true. 
That's true. I just I just introduced a tiger head tonight, an easy bake oven. I also have a man's teeth. Um, well, uh, listen. I want I want to I want to say something. I'm gonna be very genuine about this. Sure. I mean, okay. So you're great for being so thrifty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I I also I do want to reach out to you in. Uh, I'm gonna pat you on the back a bit here again. I mentioned at the beginning of the show. This is the start of my. Well, April's technically the fifth year anniversary for the podcast. Episode 200 right now. Way. Mm-hmm. I've never talked about myself this much ever. So thank you for sitting through it. Oh, yeah. Um, I normally have other people on that are more interesting than me. But what I do want to say is that in all the fucking time that I've been doing this podcast, nobody else that does a podcast has ever reached out to me to be like, hey, I want to do this thing. And I think it would be cool for you to be a part of it. Yeah, and dude. I think it's fucking awesome. You're the main event tonight. They, Jesus Christ! It, I, I think it's I think it's really fucking cool for you to be you know getting into this, starting up a new mm-hmm. brand. If we want to talk in business speak, mm-hmm. you know, pivoting to a new platform. Yeah. In 2019, mm-hmm. and having the I don't know, just the the foresight to be like, okay, like there's other people doing this. I want to network with them mm-hmm. and I want to put together this cool event. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this in mm-hmm. these five years. So thank you all for being a part yeah, of this. Yeah, thanks for everybody for coming for sure. I don't know how many of you actually give a shit about podcasts, but... Um, I wanted to. Yeah. I know. It, it's it's been really cool. It's been tight, and I'm gonna. It seems ridiculous to do this, but I'm gonna do an outro. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I uh, want to thank my guest, Mortal Kombat on the Sega Genesis. Thank you for being there with me all these years. A B A C A B B for life. And uh, that's all, folks. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Not here, so. But same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2019. And if I could just get a hefty whoop, whoop from everyone. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for listening. And that's it. If you have anything else you want to say. Uh, no, just uh, to, to echo the sentiments of you. I thank everybody for coming. Um, no cops showed up. So we're going to be doing this again until they do. And I like... Here, here's the thing Can about you imagine cops breaking up the podcast party. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we could do a cop cast. Yeah, sponsored by Comcast. But I, I think the only like key to this is I don't have any important information that I retain, but I do know a bunch of bullshit information that is useless. But I will say I do know it, dude. You're gonna kill it on like uh, a Jeopardy run by like millennials. Like, like, like the, the Jeopardy mm-hmm. in like two decades from now. Yeah. You know, when you're in your That's like forties or fifties, oh, you're going to be on there fucking killing it. Yeah. Well, let's hope I'm alive, but yeah. Let's hope we all are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the end of the night. Thank you all for coming out. Please drive safe. I didn't notice anybody really drinking too much alcohol. So, um, mm-hmm. take but some, if you did take some thrifty podcast, be safe. Stickers. Take, take some stickers. stickers, uh, be cool to the people around you. Don't take what you have in your life for granted and, uh, you know, drink more water. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Cool, brother. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for everybody sticking around.
your job, my hips. <laughs>